When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Shane Long of 2022 to the my Shane Long of 2011. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. It's uh, It's been an intriguing weekend so far. Obviously a lot of playoff, uh, not playoff games, friendly games kicking off. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, jumping, jumping the gun a little bit um, on the season. But no, a lot of things interested me yesterday in, in friendlies. I know it's only friendlies, but you can start to read things at this stage in the season. So yeah, it's, been, it's yeah. been a good weekend. Of course, Justin. I went to uh, Derby's pre-season game with you yesterday. You did. Yeah. Um, and there was an interesting revelation that I wanted to bring to the attention of our listeners. So Justin Peach lives, how far away do you live from Pride Park Stadium? Mileage, it's about four miles. Four miles, Okay. You leave the ground, you leave your house to go to the ground 15 minutes before kickoff. That is correct, yes. Why? Because I don't want to get stuck in traffic. And plus, being inside the ground in the lead up to kickoff, I think is one of the most boring things imaginable. But you soak up but... the atmosphere, you get to see the players come out. What time do you usually get to the actual ground in terms of. I'm guessing you don't get there before kickoff, do you? Not before kickoff. No, if it's if it's a good day, I'll get there about five minutes after kickoff. If it's the, if there's a slight delay, then it'll be around sort of seven or eight, ten, ten well, minutes. Why? Why <laughs> do you you've paid for a ticket? Why do you turn up eight minutes late to a game? Uh, it's it's purely down to just being bored before the game. I'm I'm someone who needs to be active and switched on all the time. Otherwise, I just I just get tetchy and bored, and it's never it's never nice to be around me if I'm doing that. And plus, everyone's on their phone at that point, so you can't even go on your phone because the signal is absolutely dreadful. Thanks, Mel Morris. The signal's just poor. I'm just amazed at this being a thing. I've I've never heard of anything like it before, and yeah. you being intentionally late to football matches just. Just I'm not weird to me. I'm not intentionally late. I like to get there, try to get there on time, but it's never always the case. You got to take. It a sounds risk. like it's never the case. It's never the case. No, I was not on time once last season. Incredible. There you go, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. An insight into the mind of Justin Peach. It's going to be a one that people will question for many years. But welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This is our last news roundup of the summer, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go through all the transfers that have happened. It's essentially just been transfers from the past seven days. There hasn't been much else in the way of news. So we'll go through all the ins and outs at all the championship clubs. And of course, I say it's the last one because next week, just 
Justin. It's prediction time for <laughs> us, baby. We're going to be doing our early predictions on Thursday. That's going to be things like top goal scorer, young player of the season, dark horse, that kind of thing. But then we'll do our league table predictions next week, starting off with 24th to 18th, I think it is, mm-hmm. on the Sunday. And then we'll have 17th to Ninth, I think, um, on the Tuesday, and then the top eight on Thursday. So, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. Hand rubbing time. I've already been losing sleep over <laughs> my league table. Um, I think whatever I pick, it's going to upset people. So, I'm not sure why I'm bothering that much about it anyway, Justin. Uh, but let, let's talk transfer news before we uh, start diving into all that. Um, we'll kick things off with the ongoing revolution at Hull City, shall we? They've signed Colombian striker Oscar Estupinan. He scored 15 goals for Vitoria in the Portuguese top division last season. Interestingly, Justin, I saw a professional football scout on Twitter. He went through about 20 signings across the globe that have caught his eye this week. And he picked this one out. Um, now, I'm not expecting you to give me a full rundown <laughs> of what it's like, um, of, or what he's like, rather. But it seems like it's another exciting signing for the Tigers. Yeah, absolutely, and I think um, I think given his, his, his record last season for Vitoria in the top division of the Portuguese league, um, in a for a team that isn't amongst the top contenders, shall we say, you know, you the Lisbon's, Portos, Bragas, Benficas, um, I think that's a, a pretty good return and highlights quite a few of his qualities as a, as a forward. And I think, um, please do correct me if I'm wrong here, Hall fans, but the last South American forward um, was a success at the club, Abel Hernandez. Yeah. So. It's, it's it's a good sign, but it's a it's a it's a an area that desperately needed strengthening for Hull. I think last season was obviously Tommy's Marcus Force came in on loan. Um, and it wasn't really up to it, shall we say? Or, or it, it was out of form, work, did it? Yeah, it just didn't work. It was out of form. Um, so yeah, this 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 seems like a good sign. As I say, his his, his goal record is good. His, his his attributes have been highlighted quite. Um, uh, by by the scout as you mentioned as well, um, and it seems a good fit. And as I say, it's an intriguing one. It's one that he could be a dark horse for um, for top scorer as you mentioned. We'll be talking about that in the midweek. So do a bit more. We'll do a bit more research on him and, and see if he's um, see if he's got the knack for it. Well, I think anyone who scored 15 goals in the Portuguese top division is going to be a better choice than Tom Eves, who could barely right. score in the championship. Let's be brutally honest, Justin. Sorry, Rob. It seems, well, it seems like an improvement, doesn't it? So um, that's what we can say on the signing. But I'm interested to see how he does. Of course, Hull is signing a lot of players who we haven't seen much of, but it's all part of the philosophy that they're building now and it seems like a really exciting time to be a Hull fan doesn't it Hull have also agreed a fee with Antalya Spore for midfielder Dogokan Sinek he's been training with the squad ahead of the move being confirmed again I feel a bit helpless really providing any sort of commentary on these signings Justin because we know very little about them all I can say is Dogokan Sinek has been playing regularly for Turkey over the last few months and you could say you'd be a cynic if you think this is a bad sign <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay I don't know what to add to that <laughs> there isn't really anything else to add is there um, but yeah Hull have got a lot of midfielders now and they've got they've got Michelle Seri um, the other Turkish midfielder whose name's escaped me was at Watford last season Tough um, 
that's the one. Um, so yeah, they, they're very well depth in that area now, aren't they? So uh, yeah, it's not one that they particularly have to worry about at this point. Let's move on. Norwich have spent a reported £6 million on Sao Paulo midfielder Gabriel Sara. The 23-year-old midfielder has signed a deal until 2026. Um, I find it amazing just in that the club who infamously never spend much money when they get to the Premier League spend millions on a midfielder when they're in the Championship. And Mm -hmm. not just millions, we're talking six million, which, unless I'm seriously forgetting the signing, will probably end up being the most expensive fee anyone has spent on an individual player this summer. So incredibly strange but on the other hand he sounds like he's going to be the answer to our question in midweek who's going to be Timmy Puki's Emmy Brandier this season however mm-hmm. I think you were talking telling me yesterday there's a, a bit of skepticism about this signing isn't there yeah I was um, I was listening to Tim Vickery who's the South America expert um a journalist he's absolutely brilliant he, he's featured on TalkSport um every now and then and he was he was speaking about um about the player, Stuart Webb has been over in Brazil trying to complete the deal, so that that goes to show Norwich's ambition to get this deal done and over the line. Um, if they're committing that much time and effort into it um, from their top dog, um, but yeah, Tim Vickery was basically saying for the amount of money that Norwich are paying for him, he's a bit skeptical. Um, he's, he's he's carried a bit of an injury record. He's been a bit of a utility player um, at Sao Paulo. And um, essentially, that's it. And I'm I'm not going to form my opinion based on what Tim Vickery said because I've never seen him play. Tim Vickery's seen him play quite often, but all we can do is take that with a pinch of salt and not throw too much expectation his way because we saw with Martin Pierre of Middlesbrough can take a lot to settle coming from South America. Um, obviously, Pierre didn't settle. Was a sizable fee that they brought him in for. And he, it just never worked for three of a party, unfortunately. Um, think, and this might be the same case. Say, isn't it? When you, the, the reason we don't see many signings from South America um, directly into the championship is because it is a risk, isn't it? It's a massive mm-hmm. culture shock. It's expensive players. Risk. And the championship is a rough and tumble league compared to what they're playing in, in South America. So it's, it is, without a doubt, an expensive risk. Um, and we haven't seen that many successes come from um, <laughs> South America, have we, mm-hmm. ever really in the championship from, unless I'm seriously... They're usually in Europe so, first, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure what to make of this. He may end up being absolutely brilliant. Um, I think if a club like Norwich, who, as we say, don't spend much money on certain players, have gone out of their way to spend a lot of money on this guy, then he may be actually really, really good. Um, having said that, I always think, apart from Brendia and Pukki, Norwich's signing record has been a bit sketchy under mm. um, Mr. Webber. It seems to have been very hit and miss over the years, but we'll wait and see on that one, Justin. Yeah. Let's move on. Shane Long has rejoined Reading after 11 years away from the club. He's gone back on a free after leaving Southampton. What have you made of this one, Justin? I, I'm i always a fan of homecomings. You know me. I'm. I just, Who isn't? Who isn't, yeah. Justin? What they win me over, uh, and and this has won me over. It, it is a little bit, not a strange one, but the fact that Shane Long's thirty five years old, um, and as we were discussing yesterday, has never really been a prolific player. Um, but I think everyone's aware of that. But what Shane Long brings to the team actually is is he's just a ridiculous grafter. He works so hard, and and that's absolutely fine. And for me, that's what Reading are going to need. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to carve open teams as. Um, 
as often as they, they may have done with the likes of John Swift. So having a forward like Shane Long who can run and run and run and run and run and work hard to get into positions and create opportunities for himself by just being an absolute nuisance. Paul Dickoff made a career out of it. Shane Long's almost made a career out of it. I don't see why this this won't work in some in some essence. I think the only the only reason why I'm a little bit sceptical is because Dave Nugent had a similar homecoming at Preston a couple of seasons ago at a similar age and it was just terrible. Yeah, I've seen a lot of nostalgic Reading fans getting very carried away over this move and by all means they're more than welcome to get carried away but I think it may be a case of heart over head for those particular supporters mm-hmm. because He's certainly not the same player he was when he left Reading, is he? Let's be let's be very frank about that. In the last nine seasons, he's only had one where he's managed to score more than five goals, which is a very paltry tally, isn't it? It's going to be very interesting to see what his role is because if they lose Lucas Yao and Shane Long is their only striker, only recognised striker option, that's going to be a big, big, big concern. If he's playing alongside Lucas Yao, I can see it working because he'll run his socks off for them. But he is 35 now as well, we've got to keep in mind. And the pace that he once had, I'm afraid, is fading away um, quite rapidly. Um, so I struggle to get too excited over this move. Um, if he's playing in a front two, I could see it working. If he's the only striker option, if he's going to be playing as a lone striker, then uh, I'll be even more worried for Reading than I was uh, a couple of weeks ago. But homecomings, I'm not going to, you know, turn my nose at Reading fans for that aspect of it. Um, they've also signed midfielder Jeff Hendrick on loan from Newcastle. Uh, you were just alluding to it then, Justin, but one thing you won't be able to question about Reading this season is work rates because they've certainly signed a lot of grafters, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm actually a big fan of the Jeff Hendricks signing. I was a big fan when he signed for QPR. It, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Whatever role he was playing in QPR, fans said he was he was pretty hopeless. So, um, I don't think you can take away his ability at this level. Um, obviously, being a Derby fan, I saw a lot of him, um, a lot of him in a Derby shirt, and he was absolutely fantastic. I'd go as far as to say I preferred him over Will Hughes, but but perhaps that's because of his role in that midfield where he was. He was a, a player who won second balls, got the ball forward, um, and and was a goal scoring threat as well. And he, and he can offer that. I, I think I said to um, a running fan, I can't remember his name now, um, but I said to him on Twitter, if you can get more Steve McLaren in him rather than Sean Dyche, you'll have a midfielder who's the complete package. Um, I, I I do think Sean Dyche coached not coached, but a lot of long balls in that team. Um, so his attacking abilities were a bit limited. So hopefully we can see a little bit more of that. But if he's going to be a part of a four two three one, maybe not. When I saw this signing, I did think to myself, OK, fair play, that's actually quite a good signing for Reading. Um, I'm not saying it's going to keep them up, but it was a sign that made me go, OK, fair enough, that's a good sign. Sheffield United have signed Newcastle defender Kieran Clark on loan for the season. I think a really solid sign in this. Yeah, really solid signing. He's a solid defender. It's one that um, he's, been, he's been linked with championship moves quite often, um, unsurprisingly. Um, and it's it's one that's never made me go, oh, yeah, it's gone, get him. He's really good. Um, but actually, on reflection, it is a very solid signing. He's a left-footed defender. He's um, he, he's more than capable in the air. Um, he's played a lot of Premier League football and he's been promoted from the Championship before. So I can't cross many boxes on this. I think it's a yeah, good, solid signing. Yeah, I remember he won Newcastle's Player of the Season, didn't he, when they got promoted a few years ago now. But he's been playing fairly regularly for them. 
in the Premier League. So, yeah, I think it's uh, certainly a good sign. And Sheffield United are also certainly not struggling in the centre-back department now because <laughs> I'm not really sure who their first-choice defenders are going to be. I'm guessing the back three is going to be Clark, Ahmed Dozovic and Egan. Um, and as far as back lines go in this division, Justin, that looks really, really frightening, I think, adding the fact they've got Basham, Robinson, O'Connell, etc., <laughs> who can all step in when Six called upon. Half. Six really good <laughs> centre-halves who are probably get into the vast majority of championship mm-hmm. sides. I mean, they had one of the best offensive records in the division anyway last season and looked to have mm-hmm. strengthened even further. So I think it looks like it's going to be a very safe bet to say again that they won't concede many goals again next season. Mm-hmm. Um, th- they're set up in that way anyway to limit the amount of chances that opposition attackers get. But when you add in the fact that they have strengthened so well in the centre-back areas, an area where I didn't think they really need to strengthen, but they've gone and done it anyway. Um, yeah, Sheffield United are going to be very difficult to break down next season, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Let's go to Burnley. They've signed Chelsea left-back Ian Martson on loan. The 20-year-old joins after spending last season with Coventry. I think another really exciting signing by Burnley, Justin. It is. It is a, an exciting signing. I think the one that actually intrigues me about this, um, a lot of Burnley fans have been saying Charlie Taylor will have a play of the season, standard season. And obviously Martson's come in um, as competition and Martson was very, very good for Coventry last season. A couple of blips, but attacking going forwards... Absolutely no no problems there. Defensively, always room to to, uh, to work on because he's an attacking wing back. Um, I thought he was so, yeah. better defensively, just in personally. I, I thought he was very good going forwards. I I just thought that. Um, I remember again, Derby Coventry, Malcolm Ebioe absolutely rinsed him several times. Obviously, that's not a um, a marker for the season, but I thought there was room for improvement. But again, if you're going to go somewhere to develop. Why not go to a, a Premier League defender, uh, an ex Premier League defender who's an absolute, who's a legend? Um, in Vincent Company, he's, he's going to help you. And again, it's it's good competition for Ian Taylor, uh, Ian Taylor, Charlie Taylor, um, and it adds a lot of um, flexibility in terms of the systems that Burnley could play under Company because I've heard that they'll play a four-two-two-two or a four-two-four or potentially a three at the back. So it gives them flexibility. Yeah, may see Charlie Taylor drop into that back three um, then have Ian Martson playing as a wing back but I think defensively he's phenomenal Um, considering he was still 19 for most of last season as well I think he's got a really really sensible head on him and for me was actually one of the top left backs in the division last Mm -hmm. season and he's only going to get better because he is so young I think his crossing could do with a bit of work I think he was statistically one of the least accurate crossers in the division last season but he has got a lovely left foot he scored some decent goals with that left foot um, and he'll get up and down the flank as much as possible so I think it's a really really good signing from Burnley uh, they've also signed midfielder Josh Cullen from Anderlecht the 26 year old West Ham Academy graduate spent two years in Belgium and I thought I recognised his name Justin he was on loan at Charlton three seasons ago I completely forgot about him but um, another midfield option for Burnley where they're looking quite stacked now aren't they well the company rates Cullen ridiculously highly um, which is it's it's an interest, interesting one because obviously Cullen, up until he left for Anderlecht, hadn't really had a, a standout career. Obviously, a couple of loan spells with, with Charlton, um, but there were there were better performing midfielders. And obviously, he comes in; he's a, he's a good ball winning midfielder, a lot of energy, a lot of bite, um, and yeah, he gives he gives Burnley a, a fair bit of aggression in that midfield. Um, and it's it's legs as well. I think there's the likes of Cork, there's Westwood who's coming back from a um, a serious injury. 
yeah, a lot of options in that midfield. And um, obviously there's the creativity of Scott Twine and potentially another arrival. Um, it's looking very well balanced. I'm, I'm really liking the look of the team now. Definitely. Cardiff continue to be the busiest team in the Championship this summer. They brought in defender Cedric Kipre on loan from West Brom and have re-signed Shea Yojo on a free after he was released from Liverpool. Um, I think Kipre's a good signing, Justin. Yeah, I really rate the Kipre signing. I think he's had a mixed spell with West Brom, um, but his, his, Wigan, his Wigan spell he was absolutely fantastic, which is why West Brom brought him in. Um, he's got the ability to, to play at a very high level uh, in the Championship in, t- in terms of consistency. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very good signing. I think he comes in as an automatic starter. As far as ball-playing defenders go, he's not the best, but he's certainly better than what Cardiff have had in the past. Um, so... I'm really liking this Cardiff team. I'm really liking the balance of it. I'm really liking the depth. I'm interested. To, I'm intrigued to see where they go. Um, obviously, been, need attacking options, but yeah. Well, I've been very concerned about the actual talents they've got available to them because they've got plenty of depth all over the squad now. I'm just worried about certain areas where I think um, I'm not too sure about the players who will be first choice for them in those certain positions. And I think Kipre, to be fair, is an area that has been strengthened now who he's going to play alongside whether it's going to be McGuinness or Nelson or whether it's going to be a back three and I'll be interested to see but I think Kipre certainly strengthens him at the back Ojo he's okay he didn't really do anything for Millwall last season but Mm. was fairly good last time out at Cardiff so yeah let's see how he does with that one Watford have signed Barcelona striker Ray Minaj for a reported £2.5 million. The 25-year-old Albanian spent last season on loan at Spezia in Serie A, scoring five goals. Only thing I've got to say on this one, Justin, is how did Watford manage to pull this one off? <laughs> um, I, again, I, I, it's really hard to follow up these uh, ridiculous puns. Um <laughs> There's a joke about a menagerie, but we could save that for another another week, I think. <laughs> I'm interested to see how menagements play him. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can really say about this is um, Watford needed another striker. Stop laughing, Justin. Um, I know I'm hilarious. Get over it. Watford have needed another striker. Um, I'm guessing menage is the answer to that. But the more the summer goes on, Justin, the more I'm thinking they may actually be keeping Emmanuel Dennis who um, I thought was going to leave, but it seems as the weeks go on that he might actually be staying. So, yeah, interesting to see who actually plays up front for Watford next season. Sunderland have brought Jack Clark back to the club for an undisclosed fee. He joins from Spurs, who signed him for £10 million three years ago, Justin. I will be honest, when they made that signing, Spurs, I did think, I'm not really sure, because he only started about two games for Leeds that season. Um, So I'm not surprised, if I'm being brutally honest, that it's um, ended up... (laughs) backfiring for them um, but yeah do, do you think he'll be a success at Sunderland we've only seen glimpses of what he can do um, so it's one of those where I'm, I'm I'm sitting on the fence about it because as I say we, we've only seen glimpses those glimpses he was absolutely fantastic he showed a lot of talent um, at Leeds but then he he fell out of favour he fell out of favour he got the move to Tottenham came back on loan Bielsa didn't really fancy him um, and he's and he's had mixed spells, mixed spells, poor spells actually at QPR and Stoke since then. Sutherland was better, um, but I was dropped down to League One, so we'll see how we can manage um, coming back up to Championship. But he's got age, ages on his side, and there is talent there. It's just if Neil can unlock it, we'll see. 
Yeah, it is worth remembering. He is still only 21, so he is mm-hmm. still so preciously young. But at the same time, I haven't seen much in his short career so far to indicate that this guy is ready to make the step up. But we'll see. Sunderland have also signed 21-year-old defender Aji Elise on a permanent deal from West Ham. Speaking of Sunderland, one of their most important players from last season has gone to Coventry on loan from Man City. Only three players played more minutes for Sunderland last season than defender Callum Doyle, despite him being just 18. But he looks a really exciting talent, Justin. Yeah, I covered him a little bit last season. Um and he, yeah, he was a standout player, one of Sunderland's youngest ever goal scorers as well, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, good ball playing left sided defender, um, can play as a left back, makes you full back, or, or, or obviously in the middle of the defence. And um, again, yeah, big, big talent. Really good in the air as well. He's, he's got the whole package, um, and I think he suits Coventry down quite nicely in terms of they can mix their game up. Um, they needed that left sided defender, and obviously Callum Doyle comes in. So. Yeah, really, really intri- uh, interested by it and looking forward to seeing how it develops. The only frustration I've got is that at some point this season I will 100% mix him up with Tommy Doyle. Um, too many Doyles hanging around in the Championship for me. Uh, defender Jonathan Panzo also joins on loan from Forest, so another defensive option for Coventry. Huddersfield have completed a double sweep for AFC Wimbledon midfielder Jack Rodoni and PEC Zwoll defender Yuta Nakayama, which is very satisfying to say. Um, Rodoni joins for a reported £800,000. And I tell you what, Justin, Rodoni's someone who's been on my radar for quite some time. Um, obviously, I watch plenty more of the Championship than I do League One, but he's one who I've kept an eye on for quite some time. It's quite an exciting signing. Part of that is down to betting because his expected goals is through the roof, um, considering what his prices were for Wimbledon last season. But um, I think the fact that his expected goals is through the roof means that he's getting into really, really good positions. Um, but aside from that, he's only 21 and they've tied him down to a four-year contract. He can play on either wing or as a number 10. He managed to get double figures from midfield in a team that really, really struggled in League One um, last season. So mm-hmm. I think this could be a really, really nice bit of business from Huddersfield. And he's been, also been linked with plenty of other championship clubs. So for Huddersfield to go out and uh, um, beat their rivals to this signing, I think is really, really exciting. Huddersfield have also signed the tallest outfield professional footballer in the UK. Six foot nine striker Cal Hudlin joins from Solihull Moors. He's gone on loan to AFC Wimbledon for the season. I'm guessing it may have had something to do with the Rodoni signing. Um, but this is a strange move, Justin, and I'll tell you why. Hudlin's 22 and he was playing in National League last season with Solihull Moors. He only made five starts and made 18 appearances from the bench. So how often does that happen where they've signed a player who's started so few games and he's gone to the Championship? And he's also 22. Yeah, apparently he's not very good at heading either, which, you know, come on, live up to your stereotype of being a big man. Well, what Um, I've read is that he managed to beat so many players in the air because he just used his height. So I'm thinking Nikola Zigic when he was in Birmingham uh, a few years ago now. But I've also read that he's not very good with his back to goal. So, but he, we say we, it sounds like we've been very critical of him. He was yeah. being with Man City a couple of years yeah. ago. So, yeah. who knows? Yeah, it's it's a strange signing. Obviously, as you say, twenty two years old. Um, starting wise, not not too many as well. So obviously not massively rated by the um, Solihull Moors outfit. But if he can develop at um, AFC Wimbledon and be sold on for a fee then it's good business because Huddersfield haven't really had to do anything with him 
I think that's that's how I see that signing. They 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 bring him in, they ship him out on loan, get something for him, um, and that's it really. There's there's not much to, else to add. The fact that he's going to Wimbledon actually is is quite intriguing, obviously, with their direct um, uh, past, shall we say? I was just very excited about the idea of Sober Thomas wanging them in to Hudlin in the box because I thought that may work a treat but obviously he's gone to Wimbledon so whether he has a future at Huddersfield we'll have to wait and see won't we Birmingham have signed defender Austin Trusty which is a very cool name the 23 year old was signed from Colorado Rapids in January has been on loan there ever since interesting to see what he's like Blues have also signed John Ruddy because why not and finally Blackpool have made a signing I think they were the only championship side yet to sign anyone this summer they brought in midfielder Lewis Fiorini on loan from Man City he played 44 games for Lincoln last season under Michael Appleton and just in this signing aside have you at all been concerned about the lack of signing from Blackpool yeah I have um I think they've needed a centre-half to play alongside Ekpateta I know they have the likes of Husband and Keogh um but someone who's more capable and in their prime at championship level. Um, not necessarily a, a big signing, but they, you know, there have been options out there. Um, that would have been something that I would have looked at, uh, possibly the right-back position as well. Um, is Bowler staying and leaving? Probably staying at this point. Um, I do feel they need a little bit more depth in the centre of the park. They obviously signed Fiorini, which is a, a plus, but I think the lack of movement in and out has um, yeah, made me worry a little bit. Interesting. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about some of the players who have left the championship over the past week and then any other business from the past seven days. back to the second tier podcast so we'll go through some of the players who have left the championship over the past week this one hasn't been confirmed yet for some reason but it seems pretty inevitable especially because pictures of him in a Spurs shirt were being uh, leaked around last night Jed Spencer's left Middlesbrough to go to Tottenham they're reportedly getting 12 and a half million up front but that could rise to 20 million depending on things like um, how he does internationally Justin your thoughts on that it's a really good deal for Middlesbrough. Um, I think if they didn't, um, if Isaiah Jones didn't have the breakout season he had last season, then it probably probably wouldn't have been a good deal for Borough. But actually, they get twelve million pounds. They would have got a loan fee from Forest last season, um, and and it's a fee that could rise to twenty million pounds. So they they future proof that as well if he's a success. Yeah, it's a really good signing. It's a shame that we we can't see Jed Spence have another season in his championship. Obviously. He's got the opportunity to develop at Spurs. I do feel like he needs a little bit more time um, because I think he had a really he had a really good six months at Forest. Um, there were periods at the start of his loan spell where he didn't quite get into a gear that he got into um, later on in his spell. But it would have been nice to have seen a little bit more. But obviously, you know, Spurs have have seen enough to to be able to put out or shell out a fair bit of money. Obviously, we know with the Jack Clark deal, they can do that prematurely, but. I think Jed Spence has got a lot of quality. Um, I think Forest fans will all will all agree with that. Borough fans may disagree with that, um, but it, it'll be an interesting one to see where he goes. Do you think he'll be a success at Premier League level? I think he, I think he can be. Maybe not at Spurs, um, but I think he can be. I think the only thing that limits him is his time as a right back, 
Um, obviously, a lot of teams do play three at the back with wing backs. He's very good as a wing back. He's got a lot of energy, a lot of ability going forwards. Defensively, he's he's, he's improving. Um, but can he do it as a in a back four? Because obviously, things are completely different in a back four. Um, one thing he does have with with Conte is Conte's. Conte develops the best wing backs in the world. It's weird. Um, so Jed Spencer's got the chance there to learn under a wing back master in Conte. So he could become he could become a very very good footballer. Yeah, I think um, I'm very interested to see if he actually plays that much for Spurs because when the rumours initially came about, I just assumed he wouldn't play that much. But the more I think about it, it wouldn't surprise me if he was thrown in at the deep end there um, mm. because they've got Emerson Royale. Spurs. This is. Um, and he's someone who I'm not completely convinced about. So it wouldn't surprise me if he did play. Um, based on what we've seen in the Championship, of, I think defensively he could do with improvement. But going forward, he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and still so young. Um, he's obviously got that bit of cockiness, a bit of swagger about him as well, which serves you well when you're a young player. So yeah, I think he um, could definitely be a success at Premier League level. He needs a bit of work. But um, I think uh, the Middlesbrough fans have been doubting his quality uh, at the top flight um, may be a bit spiteful, <laughs> to say the very least. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think he could definitely be a success. It's just about how much game time he gets at Spurs, which I think will be a big factor in that. Hull have sold Keen Lewis Potter to Brentford for a reported £16 million I think this is a deal that could be really good for all parties, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. He's a he's a player that excites me a lot. Um, I think he's brilliant, and the, the fact that he's going to Brentford, I think, is the best place for him to develop. You know, you see what they can do with the likes of Saeed Ben Rama and Ollie Watkins in the sense that they've they've become yeah, very very good established footballers at top flight level. Um, Keen Lewis Potter was always it, it was on the rise. I think I was sort of hoping that Hall might have got away with it, that they might have been able to keep him for a season. Um, or even get a, a loan, a loan back, but it's not the case. Um, because I'd love to have seen Keen Lewis Potter again um, this season in Championship because he was outstanding last season, especially in the first half of the season under Grant McCann, where they were inconsistent and, and poor at times. Keen Lewis Potter was a standout player, and that's the marking of a good player or the making of a good player for me. Is if you can stand out in a poor team, and, and Keen Lewis Potter did that, and he he got better as the season went on, as Hull improved as well, which again is is a really good marker for a good player. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good signing and I agree with you. I think he's gone to a good place in Brentford because you know he will get game time there. Mm -hmm. um, but again, such a versatile young player, um, someone who's got brilliant um, dribbling ability, but he also works hard off the ball as well. Um, I think he's got everything capable, everything that he needs to um, potentially be playing for England in the future because he is still so young as well. He's not a particularly a headline grabber and I don't think he will be that at Brentford, but he'll certainly put in the miles and um, earn plenty of plaudits by the people who um, like to praise the work that gets unnoticed. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really, really good signing. What it means for Hull, I think um, they're losing a really, really talented player. Someone I wasn't particularly expecting to stick around at Hull this summer anyway, so I don't think it's that big a blow in that sense and of course they'll probably use that money to reinvest in some lads who we've never heard of before Justin but are actually <laughs> quite good um, so yeah I, that's why I think it's going to be a good deal for all parties and Lewis Potter gets to play Premier League football which I think is going to be really important for his development Nathan Collins has left Burnley for just over £20 million to go to Wolves I think this is a big blow for the Clarets Justin because I was kind of hoping he would stay and be 
a key man at the back for them this season. 20 million is by no means a bad deal on Burnley's behalf, it's got to be said. But they could have had a guy who I think if he was playing in the championship next season would have easily been, or could have easily been, I should say, the best defender in the division next season. Mm, I, yeah, I, I disagree to an extent. Um, and and the reason why I do, I think £20 million is a really good deal. But that Burnley backline was looking really inexperienced, or at least the centre-halves were with, with, with Collins and, and McNally. I think if they can use that money to go out and get an experienced defender to bring him in, um, to, to bring them in, and I think that will improve the back line more so than Collins. Well, obviously, it's a bit of a short-term fix in what Collins was, in the sense that Collins was a long-term answer. But um, I think £20 million is a really good deal for Burnley because uh, they can go out and get a really experienced player to, to come in and, um, and, and fill that void. And I saw a few mistakes in him last season that, made me feel that he wasn't quite ready to step up to be what Burnley needed. It's a big hole to fill Tarkovsky and Ben Mee. I don't think Collins was quite ready to fill that void yet. I, I disagree. I think he was absolutely class and I think he could end up being a really, really, really good Premier League defender in the future. Um, and I think this would just have been a platform for him going on to do that. Um, who, Whether Burnley get anyone else in, they've obviously signed quite a few defenders already. Um so whether they get anyone else in, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, but if I'd have been much more confident about Burnley going straight back up next season, if they still had Nathan Collins in their team, I could say that for sure. Meanwhile, Wayne Hennessy has also left Turf Moor to go to Forest. Middlesbrough midfielder Martin Piero has joined Boca Juniors on loan for the season. He moved to Tyneside for £6 million last summer. Uh, I've been teasing Middlesbrough fans about this, Justin, by asking them, was the original transfer still not a flop? After many of them criticised me for saying it was at some point last season. Um, because strangely, Borough fans have been vehemently denying that it wasn't a flop. But if you sign a player for £6 million and he leaves on loan a year later, I mean, that sounds like a flop to me, especially after he didn't do too much um, in the season that he was there, apart from a couple of bright spells. Um and yeah, he may have had those bright moments, but you'll do well to find a multi-million pound signing who didn't at least have a few good moments. Um, and I know he's a young lad who's moved to a new country where he doesn't necessarily speak the language, but I think that's the danger of signing players from South America, isn't it? So um, I think you need to know that's going to be a, a possibility when you sign these players, which I think talks about how short-sighted a signing this was even more and I think this just needs to be one where Middlesbrough fans go okay yeah that was a disaster but they can be very pleased that their recruitment so far this summer has been brilliant and they haven't needed to spend a whole, lo a whole load of money either in bringing in those players have they Justin? Yep spot on um, I think uh, first it's Teesside you said Tyneside just before Borough fans yeah, drop on it. you for that <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, with the Piero signing, whether he's a flop or not, he has disappointed because he's not been able to hit his potential. Um, and if a player doesn't hit their potential and come for a fair fee, then yeah, you can label him a flop. I think I saw a couple of Borough fans point out the fact that a lot of last summer was spent trying to bring Piero in. A lot of resource and a lot of time was spent trying to bring Piero in, which could have been spent trying to find and recruit other players. I think that's that's the frustration for me there could have been some lost gems or potentially um, other players brought in for the same amount of money that Piero came in and, and, and that would have settled in quicker. I think that's the only frustration for me out of this. 
final player to leave us is Cardiff striker James Collins, who's left to go to Derby County. And from a Cardiff perspective, I find that a bit weird because they are very low on the ground when it comes to strikers, aren't they? And I, I don't think many fans were particularly sad to see James Collins go because he that signing just didn't really work. But at the same time, it would have been good to have him as a backup option at the very least, wouldn't it? Absolutely, I, I, I agree with you there. But I think Collins had words with Steve Morrison and, and, and said that Steve Morrison was honest with Collins and said that he's just not his type of striker in, in, to, in, in how he wants to play. Um, and both parties agreed. I think it's a, it's a very amicable, um, it's, it's very amicable reasoning to, to to leave the club. Obviously, it would have made sense to hold on to him until Cardiff could bring in at least a, a first choice striker and then allow Collins to go just to cover their arses, essentially. Um, I think that's the only worry a little bit for me. But I think if they've allowed him to go, they might have a deal in the pipeline. Maybe a Hugel, maybe. Who knows? You'd hope they've got someone in the pipeline. I mean, even Hugel didn't impress too many fans last season. Because I'm just looking at their striking options now. I don't really know who they've got apart from Waters, Davis, Harris. All young lads and... None of them you looked at and particularly thought, right, that's first choice striker next season. So, yeah, that's a, 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 a an area that they certainly need to strengthen in, mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. Any other business then, just in the latest update on Birmingham City's takeover? There is no update. The only thing is the EFL says it's received no paperwork from Birmingham over the acquisition of the club. It's after ex-Watford owner Lawrence Bassini claimed last month that he had exchanged contracts on a deal. So, yeah, we'll leave that one there for now. This is more of a public service announcement. There could be problems for fans going to away games on the opening day of the championship season because of train strikes. Train drivers of eight companies are walking out on Saturday the 30th of July. There are nine championship games that day as well as 24 others in Leagues 1 and 2. So one to keep in mind, listener, if you are going to an away game on the opening day. And then finally, Sunderland midfielder Luco 9 managed to irritate Jose Mourinho so much in a friendly that he walked onto the pitch mid-game and demanded he be sent off. During the pre-season game between Sunderland and Roma, the special one wasn't happy with some of the tackles 9 was putting in. He was then substituted off after the referee said he'll be sent off if he isn't taken off. Um, anything to add on that one, Justin? <laughs> That's why I love Jose Mourinho. It's it's just a class a class add to the ultimate shit house. Um, and fair enough, yeah. This if you, you can't be putting in bad tackles in a friendly, it's called a friendly for a reason. We we saw a few squibbles yesterday in the friendly that we watched. There's no need for it. We're all we're all pals here. We just want to get through the ninety minutes with a bit of with a bit of uh, yeah, a bit of time in our legs. Come on, Luke. Oh nine, don't be that guy. He is a bit of a shithouse, to be fair, 09. He's sort yeah, of his antics I'm very much looking forward to <laughs> over the next season. But there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a news roundup for the Championship over the past week. Next time you hear us, ladies and gentlemen, will be prediction time for me and Justin. It's time for, for us to put our necks on the line. So as we said at the start of the episode, on Thursday you'll have our predictions episode where we talk about things like top goal scorer, young player of the season, dark horse, etc, etc. Loads of little tidbits, but you won't be getting anything from us on who we think is going to win the league, who's going up, who's going to get in the playoffs, who's going down, because we're saving that for our league table predictions, which will be coming out on Next Sunday, the Tuesday after, and the Thursday after in three parts. And I can't bloody wait. Justin, just to give us a bit of an insight into your table, how much have you been struggling with that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's always difficult, um, especially when teams haven't quite added to their squad. That's what makes it so frustrating because you think, just 
throwing a team as a as an example, Cardiff, for example, if they sign two strikers, that could propel them five or six places at the table, because for my in my opinion, their, their team is looking pretty tidy, but they're just lacking forward options. That's a frustrating thing for me, um, just because it can all change as soon as a player comes into the club, like West Brom last season with Piera. Um, yeah, if it was Piera in the team, they well actually we finished him to we predicted him to go to top, in the top two, so actually that's pointless. But you know what I mean. We had them to win the league. Um, because that's what because I thought at the time Pereira might be staying, but obviously that didn't happen in the end. Um, but yeah, I've I've been the same as you. I've had some teams who I thought, oh, I could see them finishing top half next season. When I've actually put it down on paper in a league table and been going, oh god, I, and I just kept moving them down and down until I thought oh, I feel a bit bad having them that far down in my table now. Um, but yeah, I've. Um, been very interested in my table I've been having a look at it every so often and moving teams casually about when uh, it actually comes to us putting our table together Justin I think we could be having a few furious debates so we've got that to look forward to haven't we anyway ladies and gentlemen we'll see you again on Thursday to give you our early predictions but in the meantime have a good few days and make sure you put on plenty of sun cream this has been the second tier podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach and thank you for listening Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.